It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of TV Chinwag. This is episode number four zero. Woo-hoo! We now have uh, one episode for every year of my co-host's life. Please welcome Jules. <laughs> yeah, in dog years, maybe. Uh, <laughs> wow, Ryan, 40 episodes. And they said it'd never last. Well, I don't know. They did. Well, well I, I think mean, that was us said that said it'd never last. But yeah. <laughs> the it's listeners, not like we have an audience that well, says anything. The listeners hoped it wouldn't last, but you know, right? We're not we're not going away because there's always more TV to watch, and we've always got something to say. Even if it's new shows like this week, where we have two brand new, brand spanking new television shows that we've all seen multiple episodes of, <laughs> all two of us. <laughs> yes, so we're going to be talking about the CW's uh, new zombie show, I Zombie. And Netflix new, uh, well, it's entree, it really, into the Marvel Universe with a Daredevil. But, Ryan, television yeah. aside, we cannot talk about entertainment, about things dear to our heart, without mentioning mm-hmm. a certain trailer that dropped this, mm-hmm. this week. Mm. And that would be Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, my God. How many times have you watched it? Um, I don't know. If it was a VHS tape, it would have worn through by now. <laughs> if it was a VHS tape, <laughs> there would be some serious questioning that had to happen for that <laughs> to transpire. Um, <laughs> oh, have I watched the trailer? Let's just say my VHS tape is no longer functioning. <laughs> if it was a VHS um, tape, well, look, yeah, anyway. Yeah. It would be, that would be a really weird sol- scenario. Um. Do you remember when the Phantom Menace trailer came out? No. I don't, actually. I'm, I, I'm, I'm being... I don't. Um, I do remember it. I remember watching it multiple, multiple, multiple times. Much like this one. And, and this is really just a teaser, isn't it? Oh, yes. It's, it's... This isn't the, the actual theatrical cha- trailer, is no, it? No. No. It's a, an official teaser, though. Right. Okay. Um, what do you think? Look, I think um, for an official teaser, listen, when I heard this. Yeah. That was it. I mean, really, that and the panning shot that it opened with, um, I, I was gone. That I, I was there. Uh, any, any apprehension or uh, anxiety I had, and I'm not saying who knows what the movie's going to be like, but I uh, this teaser it um, it hit my buttons multiple times. It did. Did you get emotional? Yes, yes. I, I mean, I think anyone of our generation, uh, you know, who watched, who grew up on the first trilogy, um, it hit all our nostalgia buttons, like. It 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 banged mm-hmm. them till they broke. Um, right. It, it just it linked back in. I mean, um, the music, which I believe is from the original soundtrack, uh, you know, opening almost a mirror of, or a, a dark mirror, if you like, of the opening of of um, the original Star Wars, which of course where we have the the 
you know, the ships going overhead. Because this time they crashed right. on the desert. But you know, immediately there's a um, a parallel that takes you back, and um, uh, obviously, and the set, the whole um, uh, um, like scrap in the desert. You think of the sand crawlers, yes. and the um, the the Jawas and things like that. Although we're not on Tatooine, apparently no. this is Jakku. Yes, Jar- however you Jar-Ku. say it. Um, but it might as well be Tatooine. I mean, aesthetically, it's aesthetically Tatooine, it as far is. As and then, of course, right? you pan to the ruined. Is it just a helmet, or is it also his skull, uh, Darth Vader? Which you know, that mm-hmm. image alone tells us. You know, tells us everything, and is just so powerful. Right. I'm going to talk a little bit about, and now these aren't spoilers because I don't know anything about the plot, but here are some thoughts. The Darth Vader helmet that we see is with the subtext, which I think is pretty much Luke's anthem uh, through the thing. So it ties, we're behind someone, we pan around from their back to reveal the helmet. Yeah. Coupled with that music, it makes us think that that's Luke that has his father's helmet, yeah. and he's reminiscing about his father. Well, because the voiceover that's is... That's not necessarily... No. But that's not necessarily what's happening that in could that could be scene. a, a foiler, um, but the voiceover mm. is about my family, and it's Luke speaking right. about my family. But that doesn't mean that that's what that image in the teaser trailer is. No, it could be Jar Jar Binks has got Darth Vader's helmet. Oh, man, that is a <laughs> hell of a spin-off. I like that. Um, we, see, um, we see a... Uh, Luke's um, Luke, Luke, Luke's, Luke, his lightsaber being passed from what appears to be a slight female to a slight female. <laughs> yes, so presumably uh, from the voiceover says, um, "and and your child has it, your daughter has it, or, yeah. or you have it." Yeah, what he says. Speaking of my father, my sister, yes. I, and you, you have that power too. We don't know who the yes. U the U is and whether it's a relative or you would assume in that speaking of the family it is a relative, but it doesn't mean it is. No, I yeah, I definitely think there's some sort of familiar connection yes. there. But that doesn't mean that that's whom you saw in the trailer being passed the baton to. And that's the same lightsaber that Luke had when his hand was cut off yes. in Empire. Yes. Therefore, meaning someone has gone and collected that. Was it Luke that went and collected it? Maybe, but not necessarily. No. What if? What <gasps> if? The rebels take over. They're now the Republic. And years go by. Someone decides they want to resurrect the Sith Empire. Mm. Presumably this bad guy. So what if he went to collect Darth Vader's? You know, being a big fan, yeah, yeah, yep. He went to collect the remains of Darth Vader, knowing that he was uh, burnt on Endor, yep, and collected his helmet because he wanted to get DNA material to create a clone army of Darth Vader. Yep, I can go but with that. Find any genetic material, so he went and got Luke's severed hand with the lightsaber. Ooh, ooh, and is going to use Luke's DNA to create a clone army of Luke. Think about that. Think about that. Uh, Of course, the big question is, can you clone midichlorians? Uh, Yeah, because they're not real, so it's (laughs) easy to clone them. (laughs) Because they're not a thing. Um, Yeah, presumably. 
Or, or, or here's some other options. Um, the girl that we see in the trailer, do you know what her name is? Oh, yes, Daisy. I don't think that's Daisy. Oh, which, tra- which girl in which, which girl? The-, the girl running, she's the scrapper girl. Um, yes, yes, yes. Let me have a look. I, I thought it was Daisy. Um, I, I think it's basically the, the stories around her. She's yeah. a scrapper that lives on this, yeah, she, uh, this she... Uh, planet, Jakku. Jakku? Jakku. Um, Ray. Ray. Yeah, R-E-Y. And she is a scrapper. Right, she's a scrapper that, you know, cobbles together things. Yeah, she's a bit like one of the sets. Presumably. She's a bit like the Jawas, you know. She's, yeah. Do you remember Watto? Yes. Yeah, she's like Watto. Yeah, without, she's without pretty the, much like Watto. Without, um, not so annoying. Yeah, not so much racially overtoned. <laughs> racially stereotypically overtoned. Um... So she's a scrapper. So what if um, she's just going through a pile of scrap and she finds this lightsaber? Yes. Or what if she feels that force or, yep. you know, these sorts of things. She tracks it down to Luke or who knows. I mean, there's there's a million combinations. But um, the BB-8 ball droid, that's presumably hers. You would think so, given that scene running with her and everything else. And, um, you know, God, there's a Christmas worth of, uh, ten Christmases worth of merchandise in BB-8. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and the stormtrooper played by... John Boyasia, oh. uh, who's called yes. Finn. Finn. Who we know from the... He who we know from the, We know from the wonderful movie The Block. Escape the Block. Oh, oh right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's exciting, man. He's he's good. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. And he, um, he starts So he hooks up with her somehow. He he starts off as a stormtrooper. Yes, which I think is like assuming he's actually a stormtrooper and not someone wearing a stormtrooper. He is. Yeah. They said it at cel- at celebration. Yeah. They, they confirmed so that. I think that's wonderful. I mean that's as we'll talk about soon, that's like getting the zombie point of view. I mean we've never we've never met a stormtrooper we've never had a stormtrooper as a character in that way. So I love True. that. Backstory, Han was an Imperial soldier before he became a smuggler, but we don't know if he was ever a stormtrooper, no. per se. Um, presumably, he has better aim and wasn't allowed in the stormtrooper <laughs> academy because he could hit a target. Yeah, so we shouldn't expect much from Finn in the way of marksmanship because, obviously, right. if you can uh, hit your target, you're not allowed to be a stormtrooper. He kind of looks like a bit of a pussy, though. Like, when he's running, he looks really scared, and he falls down, and Ray helps him up. And yeah. I, 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 think, I think he's kind of a clod, or, or maybe out of his league, or something. There's something about his character that is going to be a stereotypical, I don't think bumbling necessarily, but inept. Well, I assume he's going to be a, not so much like Luke, but, you know, he, his arc, you would imagine he will gain in confidence and and bravery or whatever as you know if he's starting off from this point you would assume that's where he goes right unless he's just light relief so (laughs) and we as the audience grow with him exactly and we probably won't get that with the ray character because she's a female character so she won't have a story arc (laughs) i know i think she will i think she'll she'll just be a badass she'll be a badass and she will fall in love with someone (laughs) possibly chewy maybe bb8 bb8 Um, and then we see the Millennium Falcon flying around, and we see Han and Chewie show up, and Han says, we're oh, home. And at that point, 
grown people wept. Uh, I didn't. I just wept that Harrison Ford looked so fucking old. (laughs) What were you expecting? Nah, they could have cleaned him up a bit. A little Botox, you know? I liked how he looked. I was more stunned that Chewie hadn't aged. I would have expected a bit of grey in that by now. No, come on. Chewbacca's lived 400 years. (laughs) Well, you don't know how old he is. I don't know if you knew that. Um, He's already... From the planet of Chewbacca. <laughs> Look, we're going to have Star Wars fans attacking you. I know you know more than this. I know they're from the planet of Keshi. Yes. So look, um, let's. But with three Y's. <laughs> but Keshi. <laughs> he did look geriatric. You have to admit, he looked geriatric. Yeah. Well, I. Well, I just think uh, he looked a little too scruffy looking. I don't know what to say here. I won't hear. You were supposed to say, "Who's scruffy looking?" Oh yes, yeah, sorry. I'm too. I'm too busy being outraged at you having a go at my man Han. Well, I I don't know. It, to me, it looked desperate. He's still hotter than you. I He's been... still hotter than you. <laughs> um, he's not hotter than Chewbacca. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, no, I'll like go with Harry. you there. I'd always go go Chewy before I'd go solo. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. That's what I've heard about you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, to me, I would have liked to see Han as a kindly old grandfather rather than a roguish smuggler still. It seems like a desperate reach. Um, it seems like 20 years too late. But I mean that I don't I mean I, and I don't know what role he's going to have in in the movie but for the trailer it goes with their nostalgia. I mean, you know, we had to see someone seeing the two of them come back onto the Falcon uh is your ultimate nostalgia kick, you know. It's the button on a nostalgic trailer. Yeah, it seemed divisive, but I still loved it. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I still loved it. It just seemed really divisive. Yeah, I thought he might have Um, got some new clothes, but, you know. (laughs) Oh, I'm outraged that you said that. Um, Were they in the Falcon? I I assume so. It looked Falcon. If you look at the background, it looked like they were coming back onto the Falcon. And they don't have a home. I mean, we've never established them as No, so I think the Falcon's their home. It has to be. Yeah. It's not the it's not the cantina. That wouldn't be their home. No, no. It has to be the Falcon. The, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. So where has it been then? And who was flying? Where has it been? Like they, who was flying was it earlier when we saw it on Jakku? I mean, we, we can't assume that what we see in the trailer is linear within the movie. So, Correct. as you said before, just because images are juxtaposed in the – or with the dialogue or, or put next to each other in the trailer doesn't mean that that's – the sequence, um, right. they could be flying the Falcon, maybe not. Maybe the the Falcon crashes. I mean, we we do see um, who the character who I believe is uh, one of the. There's that silver sort of um, stormtrooper. Now I don't know if that's there. That's flying the the Falcon. I mean, who knows? Mm, weird. Why would you think that? Well, I'm I'm just throwing everything out there. No, we see that guy flying. Is it? Uh, is it? It is the Tie Fighter cockpit. I'm quite sure. Okay. I'm quite sure. I'm, that's I'm the not going to argue cockpit. with you over Tie Fighters. <laughs> I, I don't know for sure, but 
Um, I did register my disgust with um, seeing TIE fighters flying in an atmosphere-rich environment. Ah, but had you noticed their wings are different? No. So they're uh, certainly in terms of colour reversal. So they're... The colours reversed from the traditional Tie Fighter, so I'm uh-huh. I'm uh, positing that these could be um, especially designed to be able to fly in a uh, on on a planetary atmosphere. Yeah, but they have they have no they have no um, lift. But you don't know what's powering them. Remember, it is forty years since the 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 last time we were in this universe, so. Well, I, I just I, I registered my disgust with Gary Witta. I don't know if you know Gary Witta, but he's the uh, writer of the next Star Wars movie, and I let him know that I was quite disgusted with that. <laughs> Did he and, get back uh, to you? I wanted to know. Uh, yeah, I wanted to know who I could discuss that with, and he said that uh, he wasn't available to leave a message at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so I got kind of a kick out of that. Uh, all I would say is I cannot imagine. Look, I, if if uh, they had half a brain when they're making this movie, which you can't always assume with people making movies, they would have had an expert fan advisory panel to pick up on every bit of minutia. Oh, I'm sure they had uh, to, sure to they say have. no, yeah. you can't do that. I hope they had. I hope. I hope they would. I hope they had. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. You've got a, a fan base out there that knows the movies better than than anyone who was involved in making right. them. Um, and, uh, but when they started this movie, they said they threw out all the canon. Yes. All the non, non-movie non canon. Yes. Well, I think they've kept some of the Clone Wars canon. Is that right or not? Okay. Anyway, if yeah, you, if you Google be. it, there are various sites that will tell you now what's, what's officially considered in and out of, of canon. But they did, fl- like all the novels and all that has been thrown out. Now, did you did you ever read any of the novels? I read a I read a few of them, but not not certainly not all of them. And most of the ones I read were set, um, sort of immediately after, after the movies. And I certainly haven't right. So the Timothy Zahn <coughs> stuff, the heir to the empire, yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, all those ones, which I thought were fantastic. Yes, um, I haven't watched Clone Wars. So, um, no, I, me neither. I don't know um, how that'll play into it. Um, yeah. But I am glad they've cut back on the canon because if I decide to catch up, it's a bit more manageable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I only found out recently that there's two Clone Wars. That there's the animated one from early 2000s. Yes. And there's an animated Clone Wars from 2009. Yes, yeah. Which are different completely? Yes, I know. I know that much because I have seen some of the more recent ones. I mean, I've seen so a couple of episodes. That? I don't know what's up. Are they terrible? No, they were good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the old, the first ones when, like, in between episode two and three or whatever, when they first yes. sort of came out with them. Um, I tried watching them, but I didn't enjoy it at all. At all, I didn't enjoy the animation style whatsoever. And then that just detracts from the whole experience, yeah. and I ended up not paying attention after that. Um, and then the other ones, I haven't seen anything of. Is it worth going back and watching? Well, look, I haven't. I, I at yeah. Comic Con in two thousand and ten, I think I went to a panel with the Clone Wars people, and I watched a few episodes after that. But I haven't. I certainly didn't get into it. Um, okay. Which wasn't necessarily because I didn't like it. It was just it didn't hook me, and um, mm-hmm. other things. 
iPad. <laughs> I had mm-hmm. I had forty five thousand other things to watch. Um, right, exactly. So, you, anything else we need to say about the trailer? Uh, um, yeah, what's up with the bad guy? That's pretty cool of me. Yes, we saw more of uh, the character we know is called Kylo Ren, uh, with his um, lightsaber that's got the parallel, uh, the the um, perpendicular handily bit on it, which everyone got very yeah. upset about, but. Um, Looks yeah. looks awesome, uh, and there's also another. Um, I believe is called uh, Captain Phasma, who's in a chrome sort sort of uh, armor, who is rumored to be played by Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Brianna in Game of Thrones, which is hence my interest because she's uber awesome. Um, mm-hmm. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Uh, so, look, we still don't know in really much about the story. This was really to uh, – this was foreplay, you know. It doesn't necessarily ta- – This was th- this was Star Wars Celebration fodder. Yeah, and it was foreplay. It's, it's, it's to, get, to get us in the mood, which has been – which I think is now a lot more focused and positive than perhaps it has been. Uh, it, as I said, it hit those nostalgia buttons. I, I'd be interested right. to talk to people who are – um, new who who grew up on the the, the second trilogy, the um, yeah, the prequels. Uh, just I'd, I'd be interested to know if it hit them the same way because it was definitely harking back to the first trilogy. Um, I, I think anyone would, if you're into Star Wars, you would have been excited by it. I think. Um, yeah, I think so. It, it it had you know it was great imagery. It showed some of the amazing special effects. There's that um, scene of the Falcon going into the um, the en- the engine port. The or, Star what, Destroyer. Yeah, the Star Destroyer on uh, Jakku, and I mean that's being chased by the Tie Fighter. I mean that's what we want to see as much as we want. Really, that did nothing for me. Didn't it? Oh. No, did nothing for me. I don't want it. I don't. I don't know. I, to me, it's spe- it's spectacle. Yeah, but this is a it's tease. Special effects spectacle. But this is a, yeah, we've got to have some know. of that, otherwise. Flying across the lake with the water spraying off, I thought that was that was beautiful. That was from the previous teaser. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I don't give a shit about the dogfights. No, but you want them in there. Do I? Well, this is the falcon being chased as well. Remember, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I, I, I guess I didn't have any stakes for it as far as reference, and to me, it just felt like masturbation. Well, that happens to be something I like. So there you go. Well, I mean, if you didn't have all those star destroyer shaped uh, <laughs> dildos, Lucasfilm, <laughs> Lucasfilm, you official, should see uh, my lightsaber. <laughs> strap on lightsaber. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> Oh dear, you know I have one. Oh dear. This podcast. Double ended one, like. Uh... <laughs> With the side side <laughs> handle bits. Oh yeah. Right. That's for the threesomes. You need something, to, you need something for purchase. Okay, let's <laughs> okay. get started. This podcast just went to the bad place. You've all been bad like, touched by it. Anyway, as you time. can tell, we're excited. We'll be talking about this more, I'm, sh- I'm sure. Oh, doesn't come out yeah. till December. Um, I can't buy tickets yet. Oh, did you see the, did you see the, um, 
preview for the game, Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront game. No, I haven't. Oh, you got to see that. When does that come out? Um, it's for the next generation console. That comes out in November. And it's all the big battles, um, you know, so you have the Battle of Endor yeah, yeah, yeah. that you get to run around in. And Ooh. It, looks, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. Is that, is that coming out on all platforms, I assume? As they do, well, it's it? coming out on PS4, okay. PlayStation 1, and PC. Oh. And you'd need a pretty kick-ass PC to be able oh, to gotcha. play it because it looks <clears throat> perfect. I'm at the point of... I've got an old, I've got an e- Xbox 360, so I'm at the point of yeah. needing to upgrade, and I'm I'm being drawn towards the PS, but it's hard to give up my Xboxness. I have a PS4 uh, three that I only bought, I only got it like a year and a half ago. Yeah, because I didn't have anything before, but they were selling them cheap I, I when the PS4 came out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And. <laughs> So we'll see, but you got to go take a look at that. that oh, I will. I will. That might be the thing that tips me over into PS land. Oh, it'll tip you over. <laughs> and then I just need another 40 leisure hours in my week to be able to play yeah, everything. No big deal. That'll tide you over until the movie comes out. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't even know what. I must find out what the release date is here. Um, I, I we've been lucky. Um, Age of Ultron, which um, I know you're not particularly excited about, um, but that comes out here ten days before it comes out in the states, which means nothing to anyone except I get to feel smug about having seen it before everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> how how much before? Uh, so it opens here on the. I'm seeing it on the twenty second, and it opens in the US. I think May first. Oh wow, that's a big, big. It is, it is. So I'm actually seeing um, the previous Avengers movie and Age of Ultron as a double feature at IMAX on Wednesday night. Cool. So it's about six hours of Avengers. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that's a lot of Tony Stark on IMAX, and um, yeah, good thing it's an IMAX. That'll be fun. Well, it's an IMAX you can drink in as well. So nice i think well it'll be nice. it'll be party time anyway let's get on to television um and as we said we've got two brand new series to watch uh which one do you want to start with ryan let's start with the cw hit show i zombie my name is Liv. i used to be passionate inspired alive Now I'm mostly just hungry, and a zombie, so there's that. As day jobs go, this one was pretty grim. Until I got a taste of something more. Why the hot sauce? Is that a zombie thing? It's finally here! I've been terrified about somebody finding out about me for months, and you're acting like it's the measles. When I eat a brain, I get visions. Flashes of dreams or memories. Dr. Death, what's the story with my Jane Doe? No idea yet. She was arrested in 2008. How'd you know that? Liv. It's a psychic. Ish. I can't refuse to be dead. I can't tell the people I love what's going on with me. But I can choose to help find justice. I saw you get shot. 
He missed. I played dead, and then I guess I chased his car. <laughs> Seriously, how did you solve crime before me? <laughs> I thought I was the only one. Until like three seconds ago, so did I. Now, Jules, this is a show I was not really looking forward to. I wasn't really interested in it. To me, it sounds ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> um, like a dumb love story. And you know me, I hate everything on CW. <laughs> Except the show you work on, Ryan. <laughs> well, that one is obviously good, but I'm biased because I, they pay me. <laughs> um, well, um then you told me, oh, it's by Rob Thomas. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, it, he's that musician guy. And you said, no, you idiot, he's the guy that did Veronica Mars. Yes. And Veronica Mars was a show that I didn't have any interest in and wasn't on my radar, and I couldn't be bothered to ever watch until I watched an episode and thought, oh, this is good. <laughs> and then I binge-watched every single episode of Veronica Mars back-to-back-to-back-to-back for about two weeks straight and fell in love with it. Fell in love with Kristen Bell and fell in love with the show and the way it played out and all the people in it I thought were really great. Really interesting casting. Um, like I, I loved the characters and, and the actors in Veronica Mars. They're very unique actors. Yes. It wasn't cookie cutter. No, no. They were all quirky and... Typical some network kind of actor. <laughs> um, they were all quirky and unique and had a, you know a lot of talent yeah. and brought a lot to the character. Um, to the way they deliver dialogue and all that sort of stuff. People like uh, Adam Rose. Adam Rose was on Veronica Mars. Certainly right? was. And he was on Supernatural. Very unique and, and interesting uh, character. I liked very much. So, when I figured out... Oh, okay, well, when you told me, I figured, didn't figure it out, that this was Rob Thomas, the same guy that did... It is Rob Thomas. It right? is Rob Thomas, yes. Um, I thought, well, maybe this would be good. So, uh, I tuned in and I've watched three episodes... And? And? What? And? I don't know. You... I like it. I think it's good. I, I think it's a great show, actually. <laughs> Are you surprised? Um, I, I, am a, I am a bit, but then I think, um, I, I think, I don't want to say if you liked Veronica Mars, you'd like this. And in fact, I think there's been a little bit, uh, and not from you, obviously, but a lot of people have been making too many comparisons uh, between it and Veronica Mars, often to iZombie's detriment. It, they certainly share a um, uh, an aesthetic and uh, both uh, and a cultural approach to pop culture and stuff that is common. But I really, they're very different shows in their in their structure and format. I mean, aside from the fact that they've got a female lead. Um, and they're created by Rob Thomas and Diane Ruggero Wright, who also worked on Veronica Mars. Um, they're different. They're different styles of shows. So no, no, no you think they're, they're, exactly, they're exactly the same? The same. <laughs> Other, well, let's see. It's a a girl who does a diary type show where she narrates her own life and what she's going through. Who also solves crime. Sure, but they're different. Um, so in that structure, in that terms, but but Veronica Mars was. Um, a uh, lot more serialized and a lot less episodic. It was also a lot more wow. um, obviously noir 
um, inspired. Uh, this is a lot more episodic. This does have the brain eating of the week. And just for those who haven't watched it so far, um, it's the story. It's actually based on a graphic novel of a, a young doctor called Liv who uh, goes to a party and gets turned into a zombie. Um, and then she gets a, takes a job in the morgue so that she can surreptitiously eat the brains of the people in the morgue. Um, I will say one thing I loved about it is how they got the origin story over and done within 10 minutes. Yeah. I love the fact – so you basically – And that she gets found out by her co Straight away. So – That's out of the way. Let's move on to the I liked the that we didn't have to have like. half the first season over the origin story and her yeah. keeping her secret. So basically you get – you know, told in 10 minutes uh, how she became a zombie and we skip ahead in time to her living life as a zombie. Um, and that's good because then we can get into the interesting part of the story, which is how she lives her life. And there's a bit of a myth arc around her dealing with other zombies. Uh, she's met one of them so far and, and possibly a search for a cure. Uh, and her main co-worker, her boss, um, is – and I love this character. I love the fact that he's zombie mm-hmm. savvy. Uh, he's totally unsurprised. Mm-hmm. He's interested from a scientific point of view in her being a zombie mm-hmm. and is is wanting to find mm-hmm. a cure. Um, and he's, he's, uh, Ravi is a great character and they've got really good mm-hmm. – I mean, he almost steals a lot of the scenes he's in from her because he's just – and he's, he is very Veronica Mars-ish um character i will i certainly mm-hmm. he's got there's a lot of sharp snappy banter in this show yeah he's definitely he's fantastic and and so is she uh rose mciver who plays uh live uh, i mean how can you tell us from a graphic novel her name is live more um uh she's she's great too and she's not cheesy and dumb or they don't make her out to be inept or you know she's an interesting normal feeling character in i think you really relate to her based on her narration and her her diary type readings that she does um but i like her a lot i think she's she's great and she's like Kristen bell played veronica mars she's just very i i don't want to say common like it's a bad thing but just very down to ordinary in a way, she's an ex- she's got this extraordinary thing in that she's a zombie, but she's a really ordinary young woman uh, who deals with. And this is the good part: it's sort of they use the zom- her being a zombie, um, which is the the novelty of this show, if you like. But it's it's looking at all the you know things that any show about young people look at relationships career family uh identity uh, how you fit in or don't fit in and deal with that uh of course she's got the added thing of being a zombie and they play the zombie stuff so well like she can only eat brains she can't taste much so she's always putting like sriracha on everything and having uh, brains and noodles and uh, little things like that are just uh, hilarious um she does, uh, just so you think she's not just someone who's called a zombie, if she gets into a sort of high emotional state of, of anger, she does what she calls zombies out and she does actually go into sort of a, a brain-eating rage and can attack people and has sort of super strength um, in, and she mm-hmm. becomes quite uncontrolled. Luckily, that doesn't happen very often. The main thing that drives the mystery part of this show is that when she ingests someone's brains, she 
gets flashes of their memories and also takes on some of their characteristics. So if she, you know, she'll suddenly find out that... Um, uh, well, the last episode, she she was really good at painting, or she suddenly has martial arts skills, or something. It only lasts a few days, so she's not gathering all these skills all the time, and she gets flashes of how they died, which of course leads to her finding out when people have been murdered and and helping solve the murder. Um, probably the largest suspension of disbelief you have to have is that she hooks up with um, with Clive, who's this. Uh, and it's set in Seattle. He's a detective there. And she ends up hooking up with him. She convinces him that she's psychic, and that's how she gets these flashes and insights into crimes. Now, the fact that this apparently competent and uh, level-headed detective suddenly just accepts that she's psychic right. uh, in, in two and a half seconds is, is the main thing I have a bit of an issue with. Um, because it Well, I mean, he, he gave her the gears for a little bit about things, but yeah, it definitely, it was kind of like, okay, well, let's just accept that and move on, and now we're kind of partners. I would have... Like, he uses the we, like, we're, oh, we're, we're in a real pickle yeah, here. How are we going to figure this out? And she's going along... I mean, she does work for the... Um, coroner or whatever the, morgue, the, the police the yeah. coroner service I so guess. she sort yeah. of has a reason to be at crime but scenes a pathologist but... and a coroner aren't the same thing no. so nobody's really mentioned no that. and and also i would have liked it a bit more if him accepting her as a psychic was played him with the rest of his character like if he was a bit new agey uh, into astrology you know crystal singing mm-hmm. type guy oh okay so it yeah, would yeah, play yeah. in yeah, more so if he wanted to believe but we don't know a lot about him personally yet um uh, but he's pretty you know but not by the book but you know down to earth straight sort of cop character so it, it seems right. a so i'm happy for him to accept her as a psychic but i do sort of need to know why he would do that um even if they had yeah. have said something like oh you know like that other psychic in Arizona who helped the police, or you know, which was medium. Right. Um, you know, if there was some oh. sort of why would he believe this uh, and keep believing it? Uh, but you know, it's <laughs> um, you just have to get over that. Um, we're talking about yeah. a show where the main characters are zombie jewels, so just sort of move on from your concerns. <laughs> well, yes, and it, you know, it doesn't really bother me. I and. There are some shows when that wouldn't fly. Yeah. Uh, there are some shows where I just wouldn't, I wouldn't accept that and I couldn't get over it. But with this one, it's not, I wouldn't say it's bubblegummy popcorn. It's not that. It's, it's stylized and, yeah. you know, has shades of things like um, Pushing Daisies. Yeah. So you do. Ex- yeah. Right. Where it's, it's over the top amplified yeah. to a point of just being fun. Fun. Yeah. Campy, maybe? Is it campy? No, because I don't think it plays it that way so much. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, draws very heavily from its graphic novel roots, but it's, um, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's campy. It could be, but I don't think it is. Um, We also get to meet some of, uh, we meet Liv's ex, so she was engaged when she became zombified and she then broke up that relationship and strangely... (laughs) Again, graphic novel, uh, her ex is called Major Lilywhite, as in Major's his first name, not his rank. <laughs> Major Lilywhite. Um, and then there's her... I'm going to give you a hint. He's not ethnic. <laughs> um, 
And then we have her um, her roommate, Peyton. Um, my one probably complaint in the first couple of episodes, and well, even the first few episodes, I think, uh, I'd like to know that those characters haven't been developed enough for me. Uh, again, if, if I'm going to use the Veronica Mars um, parallel, those supporting characters around Veronica stood out quite quickly, uh, whereas Peyton mm-hmm. at the moment isn't... Uh, she isn't a, a character for herself as yet. A major, a little bit, but um, and and increasingly so. But still, I didn't even know his name. I thought he was his boyfriend number yeah, one. Yeah, so I think they need to develop that a bit more because they're very vital in us getting to know Liv as as a character because and her mother's around as well. So we need to know those people because they tell us more about her. That but they need to have their own personality and their own reason for being around i mean peyton is also mm-hmm. a um uh, a lawyer so she has a reason to intersect with some of these cases professionally but uh we just don't know anything about her so and her relationship i like the fact that everyone's a bit pissed off about this major sort of personality change the main main character's gone through right i like that too. Yeah. yeah so uh that's very angsty though isn't yeah it? but it's like you know there was this really sort of a A-type personality, driven, you know, hard studier, top of her class in med school, on the fast track to becoming, you know, a top medico who suddenly um, has bleached what everyone thinks is sort of bleached hair, looks a bit gothy and works in the morgue now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who I like way better. I mean, obviously, you're supposed to like her way better, but I do. I think she's really cool. Um, and uh, for Supernatural fans, the first episode had Ty Olson. Yes, as one of the detectives. As a creep, as a creepy cop. And there was a, a guest star from last season, Alicia Rotaro. I don't know if you remember her. She was on the episode Girls, Girls, Girls. She played um, the hooker that tries to trick Dean into selling his oh, soul. Oh, yes, yes. You know, with the... Yes. With the... She's got the... Yes. Um, no one can see what Ryan's doing, luckily, other than me. So we'll just move on from that. B- before um, and she was wonderful. She played the um, the uh, Polish uh, prostitute in this <laughs> as well. And I, I tweeted, oh, my God, it's Alicia. And then um, 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 Rose McIver actually retweeted my tweet. Oh, wonderful. Because I said that it was cool to see Alicia. Um, and uh, funny enough, and I, I wanted to draw a parallel to this, but... Um, that same girl, Alicia, who you're going to see a lot more of. I think she's really, she's actually a really yeah. great actress, and she's very sweet and very nice and very, very smart. She was also on another show that was shot here in town, um, which is the one starring Rain Wilson. Have you watched Backstrom. that? No, Backstrom. Backstrom. That's what it's called. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't. She was in the it. first episode of Backstrom okay. as well, which was kind of funny. And these were happening around the oh, same wow. time. Oh wow! Oh, good on her. So, no, she um, certainly carried. Uh, that was the first episode of iZombie, and I thought yeah. um, uh, she really she had to carry the sort of emotional center of that that story, uh, which was quite a mm-hmm. heavy mystery to have in sort of the first episode where we're getting to know uh, getting to know the the main characters. Um, so she did an excellent job. Yeah. Uh, very sweet and and great, and I hope to see more of her. Now, Backstrom is another show that I was really excited for, and I know we're not reviewing it right now. Maybe we will in the future, maybe not. Um, that I was hoping was going to be like this, quirky, fun, 
and and really well made. Um, I like Rain Wilson yes. a lot. I like the idea of him playing this really grumpy um, asshole character. But, but I did not like it at all. I think it was really he was great, but you could see the network influence a mile uh, away, and it was on NBC, I think. And you know what I love about iZombie is they go into the morgue, and it looks like a fucking morgue. I mean, it's not perfect, but it definitely looks like a morgue. On Baxter, you go into the morgue, and it looks like some vaulted ceiling chapel oh, okay. where they have a single slab bed. Like, it's just way too network yeah, television yeah. And, and not realistic. And that that takes me out of it completely. You know, they go to, Baxter goes to the police office, and it's this, you know, super glass yeah. office with uh, high-tech computers and super really pretty people doing stuff. It's like, oh, you've lost me. I, I'm no longer yeah. interested in that's, this that's a, I hadn't really... Um consciously thought of that but yeah certainly certainly the police space in this is a lot more uh i'll say believable not that i hang around police officers a yeah. lot but, no, they're, but it they're is. Sort and, of that, and that's the art shared direction desks and it's you know yeah. it looks like a place where a lot of people with not a huge amount of resources are doing their job it's all open plan yeah. it's a you know there's no privacy um and and same with the morgue it's not a huge space it's um it's it's you know sort of slightly cramped um and it looks like a place people are working in yes and to me, that's good art direction. Yep. You're doing your job correctly. You're making it look like a believable environment that works for the function of what you need to yep. work for. The morgue looks like a morgue. You know, they've got brains and jars or yep. you know stuff in the <laughs> yep. background. And yeah, you wouldn't really have that, but you can buy it. Yep. When you go to CSI Miami or New York or whatever the Christ it is, <laughs> and they have stained glass windows in the autopsy <laughs> room <know>. and... <laughs> You know, at oh, that takes like, me straight. It why? makes me go straight to Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> yeah, it's just so silly, and to me, that's bad. Everything yeah. that's a bad TV and, show, and I don't want. And I it. like, um, you know, continuing on that theme again. I hadn't thought of it. Uh, her apartment is not your. You know, often characters in any TV show have these amazing. You know, huge mm-hmm. apartments that would be far out. We'll talk about one of those coming up yes, on the next which show. would be far out of the price range of the character. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. Liv, you know, she shares her apartment. It looks lived in, you know, her, her, her bedroom. Yeah. I noticed particularly, I think it was in last night, or third or fourth episode. Um, you know, her bedroom looks like a person's bedroom, which is not something out of an Ikea catalogue. You know, her bed, you know, things aren't perfectly matched. It's not always totally clean. You know, there are socks on the floor, that sort of thing. And I liked liked that. Uh, So, yes, snaps to the the art art direction and um, set deck in uh, in iZombie. No, they do a great job. And actually, um, they do such a great job that somebody like me, who really doesn't give a shit about that, went and looked up who the actual art director of oh, wow. the show was. Well, it, it's that thing. Yeah. Like, hey, you've done it right. Now, and which isn't to say the Backstrom people did it wrong. I mean, they did. But that doesn't mean it came from no, them. No. It could very well have come from up above them saying, you know, make it look space age or make it look whatever. To me, that's just bad anyways bad is bad but um well and i suspect it's interesting the opening credits to i zombie uh draw on the on the graphic novel so it has you know those sort of drawn images and so i think they've probably um 
consciously taken from the aesthetic too of the of, of the graphic novel. So I mean, there's obviously been um, thought thought put in that way to to creating this co cohesive world. As you say, that may have right. been there in Backstrom, but then someone came in and said, no, 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 we want it to look, you know. Jugier or you know yeah. more architectural digest or something. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, it gets pinned to that person. Um, so the person who did the art director art direction on iZombie is Dustin Farrell is his last name. <laughs> um, he also did eighty three episodes of Smallville. Oh wow. Um, Emily Owens, the one hundred. He did thirteen oh, episodes, wow. and iZombie's done thirteen episodes. Um, so. I am going to get you back into watching the the one hundred at some point in your life because it's so awesome. Um, I, I'm hearing a lot of that, Jules. To be <laughs> honest, I've, I've heard that from quite a few people now. In, in, so. I'm starting to including believe people it. you trust, not me. In other words, um, <laughs> it's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, but that's you know that speaks to me because certainly the the work that uh, you know on um, the 100, uh, even though half the time they're in a forest or something, but that's been a huge part of it. Is you know creating a post-apocalyptic world, and um, in a way, I always remember oh, what was the show with dinosaurs a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Terra Nova. Ter no, Terra Nova, the oh, one where they Terra go Nova. forward in uh, back in time because they're the Earth, the mm -hmm. Earth stuff. And what always the shat Earth me about up, yeah. that was that it looked like they'd gone back in time to Disneyland. You know, everything was shiny mm. and clean and they had these sort of modular mm. homes and it's like mm -hmm. you've come from this post-apocalypse, or not post-apocalypse, this world that's in decay th that's all grimy and horrible and terrible, but suddenly you've created – Anyway, Ikea in the uh, Cretaceous period really, really annoyed mm. me. <laughs> and there weren't, oh, wow, and really? there weren't okay. enough dinosaurs in the show, so I was glad it got cancelled. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, well, dinosaurs aren't easy to do. I understand why. They're well, but so then don't set do dinosaurs up as your central premise. Well, then don't make the show. No, well, you can go back in time and have something else. I mean, I think... Um, right. I liked that show, actually. I, I thought that was a cool I think show. it had potential, but I think they crippled themselves with the dinosaurs, in other words. That was their big selling right. point, was we have dinosaurs. So, don't promise me dinosaurs! Well, nobody said that about the... Nobody said that about the Flintstones, <laughs> and look where they went. <laughs> but they had dinosaurs. They delivered yeah. on the dinosaurs. Yeah, I'm very sensitive about dinosaurs. Don't tease me. Apparently you Don't are. Don't tease me. How do <laughs> You're very dinosaur <laughs> about the whole thing. Anyway, back back right, to, back would, to right. our zombie. One thing, because um, I know some people were like, oh, another zombie show. Because um, yeah, we've got true. Walking Dead. We've got Walking Dead spinoff, which is apparently now called officially Walking Dead spinoff because no one's got any imagination. No, it's called Fear the Walking oh, Dead. I know. Really? Apparently, is, is it being filmed here? Do you know? I don't know. I had assumed it was being filmed. I, I, in... I, I saw somebody post that. Uh, oh, I can't believe you know all these things and included that are being filmed in. Vancouver. Oh, because it's set in LA. Um, I I had assumed it was being filmed in LA, but there you go. <laughs> Nothing is gets filmed in LA. What is wrong with you? I can't, <laughs> they don't have I the can't tax Justified credits. was filmed in LA. There you go. Um, How well did they do? Well, it's just finished a five-season run. I think they did very well. Wow. Um, anyway, wow. that would be hilarious if it was being filmed in Vancouver, which couldn't be yeah. – is the place in the world that looks least like LA you could find. 
Um, but one thing I think is which we have seen, and we don't see it in we've seen it in a number of the genres, uh, the genre things like werewolves and zombies and everything, um, is it does force you to find, you can't just do The Walking Dead times 50. Um, you and I talked last year about In the Flesh, which was an English uh, series mm-hmm. sadly cancelled, which had zombies as the main characters and, and a, a very different take than I, Zombie. Um, but I like... How nice would it be if Liv got to meet Oh, Ren? that would be so good. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be <laughs> that, that would have been a great crossover. Um, yeah. But I like that. I like that once you start having some, you know, sort of trope like zombies around. If you, you can either just do a, a, a not very good clone of something that's already around, or it forces you to try something very different like this. So um, I, I think it's it's great. So it's not your. You know, if you've just seen the name and you think, oh, it's another zombie show, it's not another zombie show. It's also, it's not another Veronica Mars show, but if you like that aesthetic, I think, um, and if you like Veronica Mars, there's a lot you lot in iZombie um, for you to enjoy. Like, it's fun. It's absolutely. not angsty. If you're overwhelmed, as we're going to talk about Daredevil in a moment, if you're overwhelmed with yeah. the tears of man angst that saturate uh, our television at times, this has got a bit of angst, but it's, you know, aside from the fact she's a zombie, her concerns are generally, you know, more about, oh, my ex is getting together with a new girl. <laughs> yeah, which I hope they don't they don't get too much on. That's annoying. Um, we had some listener questions that I thought maybe we could address, <gasps> if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, uh, in regards to this. Hit um, me. What do you think about the exceptional girl trope with Liv surrounded by all these men? Um, so the exceptional girl, girl so, trope is she's the one who's got the special power or the, you know, is the exceptional person. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think, as I said, my thing is I would like the other minor – so the main characters are Liv – uh, her boss and the detective she works with, and then we have the minor cast of character. the The secondary characters are her friends and family, if you like. And coming up, I think you would have seen it. Um, there's also another zombie that she meets, um, who's a bit like the to hark back to Buffy days. He's a bit like the Spike of um, I Zombie. So you saw. You- <laughs> he is a lot like that. <laughs> Maybe the bleach blonde. Well, hair. but he's also know. a bit like you sort of like him, but he's also bad. Mm, okay, uh, I never watched. Buffy, okay, so. um, why are we friends again? Um, I don't uh, think we are. We just do a podcast. Oh, oh no! Oh, took that bit a bit too far, didn't I? Sorry to assume. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So, no, I don't have a, a, a problem. It's nice to actually see the two male characters she works with. Uh, uh, Ravi is obviously. Where are they? Seattle. So he's um, Indian-American and then uh, Clive, who's the um, detective, is African-American. So she's whiter than white because she's a zombie. <laughs> uh, so it's it's True. actually nice. Although she was pretty Caucasian. She was pretty she white was zombie, beforehand. But... And as you said, Major <laughs> Lily White, her ex-boyfriend, is Lily White. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, I'm... I, I, certainly don't have a, a a problem with it she doesn't have 
It's well played. She doesn't have superpowers. She gets these unreliable flashes of memory. I love the fact that she takes on characteristics of the brain, the person whose brain she's eaten for a few eaten for a few days. Sometimes that's uh, a good thing. So in one episode, it's an artist whose brains she eats. So she starts seeing the world differently, seeing seeing beauty in things. She starts painting. And that opens up a side of her that she didn't have, hasn't got in touch within herself before. Then there's another character and she eats their brains and they're sort of a psychopath. So she starts, um, you know, cutting off from her feelings. And so that's a really interesting part of it. I mean, for me, almost the most interesting part of it because it's that what pro- which prompts often her self-reflection and what we get in the, the narration. Was that an answer? Mm-hmm. That was a great <laughs> answer, yeah. Thank you for your question. To Emily, uh, who had the question, um, what do you feel sets it apart from other, either female-led shows or zombie shows? I think we address the zombie show thing. I mean, it is it's different in terms of it's a zombie um, point of view, and it's different than the other zombie point of view show slash shows I've watched because it's it's a comedy, uh, a procedural comedy. Is that a genre? Mm-hmm. I just made it up. Is it a comedy? I don't um, know. Dramatic comedy? Dramedy. Yeah. I think we call them dramedies nowadays. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, of course, as far as the Emmys are concerned, it's uh, not a half-hour show, so it can't be a comedy. Um, that's right. how they classify them these days. Female-led shows, well, that's a sort of a st- – oh, sorry, person who asked the question. That's sort of a stupid way to um, – <laughs> you know, there are a lot of female-led shows these days. Is it like Scandal? No, it's not like Scandal. Is it like Empire? No, it's not like Empire. Is it like um, uh, the Hayley Atwell um, one, which I can't remember? Is it like Strange Empire? Strange Empire? No, it's not like Strange Empire. So, yeah, um, uh, it has a female lead. So, other than her gender, no, it's different. Is it like Veronica Mars? A bit. Incorrect. Yes, it is. (laughs) And that question was from Badass Females 2015, Badass Femme Agenda. Um, and then the other questions we I have. I had a good question here. So Nina, Nina right. said, has it been established if all zombies acquire their dinners, memories and traits? So we do see this, uh, other, we do meet this other zombie, but it hasn't really come out as yet whether he goes through the same experiences that Liv does. Well, and we met the other 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 zombie in the well. But the other other zombie, uh, well, and of she, we don't really know anything about. What so there was there. a there were, these other zombies are people who turned at the same party that Liv was at. One of them's getting on with his life as being a bit of a ne'er do well. Um, oh, there's his girlfriend that he turned, or his. That means never do well for people that are. Oh, who don't speak old timey English. Right. <laughs> They doth not understand. For all you non non yes, They doth there. not understand. <laughs> um, I've totally forgotten what I was saying. Anyway, there you go. Oh, know, yes. And, and yes, we do uh, see that people, we do meet another zombie who has deteriorated and become more Walking Dead type zombie uh, in, in terms of not being human-like anymore. So that was well done, I think, because aside from the plot in the actual episode, it gives us some 
uh, anxiety over what could happen to live. Right. Or the other guy, or all the other people that were at this party that yes. we don't know what happened to. Um, and it also showed a side of Liv where she doesn't really give a shit. I mean, she doesn't care. I mean, to her, that person's dead. To Ravi, it's uh, science. It's a possibility. Anyways, we won't get into spoilers, but yeah, I, I thought that was handled really well. Uh, any other questions? Um, on that just one? having cool. a having a look. Uh, but look, I would I would say give it a watch. It's um, I think if you need some, if you want something in your repertoire that's you know diverting and fun. Um, as I said, it's ve- I, I assume it will become probably, a, a, you know, the, the pattern is that shows start off, tend to start off uh, more more episodic so that you can get into the show and then, the, you know, the myth arc, mm. the, the overarching story, the uh, serialised nature will develop. Um, you know, you could jump in now at episode four and you'll know what, you know. If you had to pick between Jane the Virgin and iZombie, which do you go for? Look, probably they're different, they're, but they're, they're different but similar. Neither of them will be in my regular roster of viewing. Um, oh. No, uh, I think they're both shows I'm happy to dip into, and I both think I think they're both excellent shows in in very different ways. Uh, so I, I I wouldn't pick one over over the other. I'm probably uh, Eye Zombies, uh, uh, given it's more serialized at the moment, I'm more likely to just jump back into that. Uh, it's more episodic. I mean, I'm more likely to jump back into that. But um, what about you? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I didn't carry on with Jane the Virgin, although I really liked it and everything. It's just not to me with the limited amount of time I have right now. It's just not in yes. the rotation. I Zombie, mm, yeah, maybe, maybe, cool, maybe. I, I think it needs one more co-star. Yeah. For you know, if they brought on somebody else um, as a co-star that I was really thought was great, then maybe I, I feel like it might just be missing that one extra well, person. But it's still yeah. young in these. Seasons. I would have liked her f- again talking about developing the secondary character if her flatmate was a character I was engaged with. You know, it was a bigger character in some ways, yeah. not the character she is. But you know what? That's the that's the young hot lawyer trope, and I think it really works here. Sure, but I just need to know about more about her as a character and a person. Um, and she could yeah. be um, normally. I hate that, <laughs> but, but, but. She, she's got a reason to be involved in the cases that lives investigating. So that's good. Mm-hmm. But she just needs a bit more personality. Like I need to know a bit more about her and why I should care about her. And so a bit more interest in her, I think, would amp things up. I think there's a, a basis of a good relationship there between her and Liv. And, um, and you know, certainly female friendships are, are rare enough on TV, so that could play really well. But she needs to interest me a bit more. At the moment, I don't really know who she is. So, you know, make me care about her or be interested in her or laugh at her or whatever it is so mm-hmm. okay. um, and I think we'll get into this in the next show as well do you think it'd be better if more people knew about Liv's secret secret identity um, I think do you want more I think people the to good know? thing in iZombie is that people know that she's changed now they don't know it's because she's a zombie mm. but people are dealing with that 
anyway. So I think it's a little different than the sort of superhero secret thing because that is already part of the mm. show. People going, well, you were this person, now you're this other person. They don't know she's eating brains. Um uh, so so it, it doesn't feel to me like she is keeping a secret. Um, I assume more people will know at some point. Uh, what do you think? Um, I kind of like the – I like that Ravi knew and knows right away from the, the get-go. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was one of the best parts. Um, I certainly – I think I would like more like maybe her roommate to know and, and maybe a few more people to know about it. Because I just think it creates a little bit more of a yeah. dynamic if people do know. Um, because then you're sort of playing on the they don't know hiding the secret thing yeah. all the time. And that gets tiring to me. Like, live proud. You know what I mean? If you're going <laughs> to live. <laughs> live live more and proud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm here. I'm zombie. Get used to it. Which, of course, was... Speaking of, well, I was just uh, going to say, was the difference in the series in the flesh where everyone knew who was a zombie? So the whole secret thing wasn't actually part of that show, true. which is something I liked about it. So it was about people accepting but you for who you are. Ren was, yeah, but he was also gay, which was sort of the. And well, I was going to say that I was the nice think, flip right? on it. You know, it was the the zombie thing people knew about, not the sexuality thing. Anyway. Um, watch I Zombie. Let us know what you think. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear your feedback. Um, what other show are we talking about? Dead Devil. This city's really changing. Not fast enough. Hell's Kitchen needs to die before it can be reborn. They must have people watching me. My experience? There are no heroes, no villains, just people with different agendas. Lawyer by day, vigilante by night. I'm just trying to make my city a better place. Now, we talked about Daredevil way long ago, like episode, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something of TV Chinwag. <laughs> and it was announced that Stephen DeKnight was going to be showrunning the Netflix-made Daredevil. Now, who's Stephen DeKnight? Stephen DeKnight made one of our favorite shows, Spartacus. Right, Spartacus, um, which was a series on Stars Network. Stars Network, one of our favorite networks. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. About the show running here, though, uh, it was originally, and these two are old colleagues, uh, Drew Goddard, who was going to show run Daredevil, and he ended up, I'm not sure how far along he got with it, he's still listed as creator, but then he had other film projects, I think including Spider-Man, that he was going off to do, and that's when um, Stephen Denight got brought on board as, as showrunner. Um, so that... And I suppose the difference is that was actually an amicable thing, not a you've been sacked or replaced or anything. Um, but, yeah, so I think you and I had very high hopes um, for Daredevil because of Stephen DeKnight's involvement. We both loved um, so much of, of what he did and where he took Spartacus, uh, which I still will maintain is one of the hugely underrated shows of the last decade. Uh, Agreed. So Daredevil dropped a Netflix show, entirely a Netflix um, 
production and it dropped, uh, obviously, as they do on Netflix the whole season on April 10. Uh, Ryan. Wham. They just unzip their fly and wham, <laughs> slap it right on the table in front of you. <laughs> oh, 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 can I have a moment? Um <laughs> So, Ryan, how... Can I get some more sriracha in here? <laughs> um, so, how did I... Well, let's, did let, I like let's just start with the story. Now, I think we've established you and I are not comic... We're, we're comic book dilettantes, perhaps. We're not We're not across the whole Marvel verse. Where, where would you place yourself in that? I don't know if it's important, oh, but... I know nothing about comic books mm. other than maybe the name of a few heroes. Sure. Um. The only thing I know about comics are what I've learned from Marvel movies and DC <laughs> movies for the most part. Um, I listen to people natter on about them like Kevin Smith or you know, other people that know about comic books. Do I care about comic books? No, I fucking don't. I think they're stupid and dumb. <laughs> Even as a little kid, I thought comic books were dumb. Not okay, like dumb but- like the idea of reading them is dumb. Dumb like they're not really well written and the stories aren't very engaging. Okay, before we alienate the small listenership. We've oh, got- fuck, fuck those people. <laughs> So I'm a bit like Ryan without the hate. Um, <laughs> Haters going to hate. Haters, Haters going to hate. So I, I, and I just think it, uh, the only reason I think that's important is for context because if you are deeply familiar with these stories and these characters, there's an ev- inevitable comparison to make with the source material. Um, so having established that neither of us are familiar with the source material, we will take it from there. So... Daredevil is the story of a superhero called Daredevil, uh, Matt Murdock, who is... Nobody ever calls him Daredevil, do they? Oh, uh, you haven't finished the whole series, have you? No, I haven't. There you go. No, I'll shut up. Um, who's blind, uh, was blinded in an accident as a child. He's uh, grown up. He's become a lawyer uh, who fights crime by the law by day and uh, is... Uh, superhero by night. His superpowers, if you like, are those that are often posited on blind people. He has this um, incredible hearing and perception of things like air movement. Uh, He was trained as a child by a sort of kung fu type character called Stick who trained him how to fight. So he can run around the city and and parkour and and bash up bad guys even though he can't see anything. So that's sort of your basic premise. Um, What have you, where are you up to and what have you thought of uh, Daredevil? I just, uh, actually I'm in the middle of the episode where they introduced Stick. Um, Seven, I think. Mm -hmm. What do I think of it? I love bits of it. <laughs> I like some of it. I hate bits of it. And overall, I feel a little lukewarm to it. Um, I, I don't know how sold I am on the casting. Um, so let's go through the, ca- the the main characters. We have Charlie Cox, who plays Matt Murdock, who, the central character. Uh, who yeah. is you would know from Boardwalk Empire, I believe. Fuck, who did he play in Boardwalk Empire? Owen Slater in season two and three of Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> okay, yeah, who's, really a, who's an English there. actor. Um, his uh, partner in the, the law firm, uh, Foggy, is played um, by someone who I don't know. And um, they're... 
the female character who becomes their their secretary, if you like, uh, people will know from True Blood. So she played Jessica. Deborah Ann Wall played uh, Jessica in True Blood. Uh, Of which I'm sure you and I both have a crush on. Oh, yes. (laughs) <laughs> and I loved I loved her in True Blood. I thought she was wonderful. Yeah, the other too. main me character too. is the villain of the piece played, and I have to say steals a lot of this show. Uh, the character is called Wilson Fisk, and he's played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who most people will know from uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent, um, in what oh, okay. I think will become his iconic role. I think he's, he's, he's uh, fantastic in this. So what, mm-hmm. what have you enjoyed? Let's start with the pluses. What have you enjoyed about Daredevil? Um, him, Vincent D'Onofrio doing Fisk, I think is brilliant. I think he plays it so fucking good. Um, he's just so... I don't want to say evil, because he hasn't even really been established as evil. <laughs> This character, which like eventually becomes Kingpin, I think is what they call him, right? Um, where I'm at in episode seven, he's not really evil. He's a boss. Well, he has sort of m- murdered everything. a few people horribly, but you know. <laughs> so of other people. You know what about what I mean? when he bashes like, the guy's head in with the car door? That's a bit. Yeah, that guy did deserve it, though. <laughs> I think one Sometimes of the. Sometimes I just love rooting for the bad guy. I think one of the. We often hear, particularly actors who play villains, talk about how, you know, the villain never. You know, villains don't see themselves as often as villains. Right. I mean, some, some, some do, Absolutely. of course. But more than, with, more than most characters like that I've seen, uh, this character of Wilson Fisk truly sees himself as someone who's working to make his city a different place. He truly sees what he's doing is for the greater good. So he's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm out just to make a lot of money and screw everyone else, those poor people. Right. It's like what I'm doing in evicting people from this tenement um, is not to screw the poor people. It's because I want to make better housing. I want to make this city a better mm-hmm. place, and this is how I need to do it. And his mm-hmm. conviction of the rightness of what he's doing um, – and there's a wonderful monologue at, in the last episode, which I won't spoil, where he has a realisation about that. But um, his total conviction, as you say, even though you see him do some not good things, it is so embedded in his belief in his, his own rightness that I love it. And he plays mm-hmm. him. I mean, really, uh, Vince, you know, Vincent, I don't know if you ever watched him on Law and Order. You must have because you're alive. You must have seen him on it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember, but yeah. But, um, you know, this is just, he plays this role, he's softly spoken, he's he's intriguing, you see vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It traces one of the, mm-hmm. the interesting parts is his, his relationship with a, a, a woman he, a gallery owner, a woman he meets, um, the, mm-hmm. the nuance. Which is a, a genius piece of writing, by the oh, way. Oh, it is. It, to get us into this character. Yeah. Uh, just one, just wonderful, and 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 I think almost one of the problems of this se- this first season is that he is so hypnotic. He is so he steals every scene he's in, and it's it it it, it weighs the show in his favour in terms of viewership, which. You know, the balance on the other side, the trio that we have uh, in the law firm, 
you know, it's just not balanced because uh, everything that he does, we get to know the people around him. And I'm sorry, I'm going into negatives now. Let's go back to the positives. <laughs> okay. Uh, the look of the show. Um, the look of the show. How do you feel with the look so, of the show? So, and I, I, I tried to tweet out to uh, Mr. Stephen tonight before this episode because I wanted to confirm, but the way it's filmed right now yep. is very dark. Very, very dark. Um, whether it's lit that way or it's colored that way, oftentimes people speaking are in shadow. Yep. You can't see their face. Um, very, very uh, backlit, um, moody lighting. I mean, to a point, uh, to a fault, really. Like in any other show, they would say, no, 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 you have to relight that. <laughs> Those are our heroes talking. You can't see their face. Yes. That's not okay. Um this way it's done and here's me this is conjecture now is done in a way of reminding you that matt murdoch our hero is blind oh. he has a hard time seeing he can't see and they use that juxtaposition of everything is dark to remind you of this is the world that he lives oh. in and so too if you listen closely to the sound exactly effects, all the foley is jacked up really, really? high yeah. so all these little sounds of water dripping and all these things are in the mix way higher than what they would yep. normally be in a show. Yep. And I think as well to just enhance that here's his ability. Yep. Um, and they do that. It, I would, it, I would, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I agree exactly. And even when it's not focused on, you know, Matt listening for someone's heartbeat or that, that have, what you were saying is, is, is throughout the show. And I think that works really well. Um, it it, it 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 does make you aware of those sounds and 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 view things in a different way and not just be relying on you know what you can see there's also a, and I'm not sure how this ties in but I think it, it it's used in a similar way and it tells you I think something about Denight's thought processes around this there's also the issue that um Fisk in his criminal dealings deals with um Japanese Russian and Chinese people who are either not always subtitled, sometimes subtitled. There are large amounts of dialogue in subtitle, um, and they play with that too about under, you know, themes around understanding and communication. So I think there's been a lot of thought go in other than just let's make this look gritty into the whole medium and how that's telling the story, which I think is very, very clever um, TV making. I agree. Um, I, I, it's beautifully filmed. It's beautifully um, set. Set deck is is through the roof. The set art direction is oh. fantastic. Costumes are on point. Everything looks and sounds deliciously fantastic. Um, a really well made show. Very well made. Um, this has that same thing what you were talking about before about the character living in a ridiculously lavish apartment in New York that would really cost you you know forty thousand dollars a month. Um, the the joke is there's a huge bright fluorescent light outside the window, a big um, video screen in New York that illuminates his entire apartment. But because he's blind, it doesn't bother him, and that's kind of the joke why he got it so cheap. It was part of some. Which I, I still think is, 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 is hilarious that they did. They wrote it as part of yeah. a, oh yeah, that wasn't part of the agreement. And then there was some loophole and they got to put this big sign out there. So he gets to rent it for dirt. Um, Which is, is funny. And but. at least they explain it. 
Sure. Um, yeah, exactly. The other thing that actually ties into is something um, is that they position this tale directly after or, you know, in the year or so after the events of the first Avengers movie. And there are numerous really subtly but nicely done references. So, for example, they talk about uh, when they're uh, um, looking for officers, law officers, and they talk, the woman, the real estate agent talks about the construction in the area that happened after the event and the characters comment going, oh, you know, the event, that's what we're calling it now. Um, and so they comment oh, on the destruction okay. of New York during the Avengers and there's a couple of other just throwaway comments about you know, there's some someone comments about, you know, well, at least he's not a guy with a hammer or something like that. And okay, I thought that was done in a really nice way because what it does is move your headspace into a place where this is a world where, you know, people are aware of superheroes, which is quite different right. than you normally get. So this is not an isolated from everything else. This is in the Marvel universe, and this is in a a version of New York that has seen that knows Iron Man, that knows Captain America. So although it, it's not mentioned explicitly, do they know the Hulk? Yeah, well, too? they would have because he was in a, he was part of Saving oh, New York. Man. So I want to live in a world that knows the Hulk. <laughs> they know they know you and I, Ryan. So they already know Hulk and She Hulk. <laughs> oh. Wait, which is which? Well, that's another podcast. Um, right. And there's even I don't. Oh, I won't give it away. But there's a there's a couple of references to, uh, okay, and they they they're done like if you weren't if you didn't have your antenna up, they'd probably go past you. But um, they once I heard the first one, I was sort of aware of it, and I like that it's um, subtle. And remembering that uh, Netflix are also going to do another Marvel verse series called uh, about a about Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, who are also connected i believe to daredevil um as well i think that's due out next year um so i like that they're establishing that these all happen in the same world uh without tying them to them that closely so it's not like marvel agents of shield tv show which explicitly acknowledged and brought in the events of um what happened in the avengers but um there's something about that that i like it's a sort of a behind the scenes coherence and um Makes you makes it more believable that people aren't totally freaked out by uh, this masked character who's appeared on their doorstep. So it, it makes it, mm. it puts every people's reactions in a different. And the fact that they give him a nickname, which is the uh, starts off his nick, nickname is the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. Um, so mm. th all that sort of makes a bit more sense. And we talk about that sort of it makes us buy into that a bit more, or certainly did with me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what else? What else would you like? What else did you like about uh, it? Great stunts, great fighting. I guess. Yep. Um, very, very, really well done. Nice combination of sort of the almost uh, ballet-like stuff we see. You know, very highly choreographed stuff, which I love, which we see in Arrow, and some really gritty, dirty street fighting too. And I like mm -hmm. the fact, um, and you see it quite a bit through the series, like. You know, Matt Murdock, it might have these super senses, 
but you can still fucking beat the crap out of him. And there's a couple of times he's serious, like he has to recover because he's been stabbed. He doesn't just like jump up again mm-hmm. and, and run off. And at this well, well sorry, well, that's that opens up another can of work. Let's get into well, that. Well, you haven't finished. So I, overall, I can't talk I think, about the episode you're watching, but he, there is an explanation about his healing powers too. Oh, really? Yes. So, okay, answer me this. Does he have superpowers? Yes. A superpower. Is he a, a quote-unquote super- superhero? <laughs> is he a superhuman? Yeah, I mean, I think any any skill... No, 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 no. <laughs> Jules, does he have unnaturally human powers? Yes. Like Captain America? Yes. Is that a product of something outside of his control? I.e., was he given a special Do- doesn't talent? Have to be. From a special doesn't have place? to be. Was he radiated with some no, sort does, of bionic doesn't, You don't radiation? have to have that to be a superhero. Look at it, look at the X Men. They're mutants. That's that's how they no, are. No, I don't want to. Yeah, but that, that's an explanation. Is they're mutants? Yeah. Um. Look at. Um, you need to finish Black watching Widow. the episode you're watching. Ah, oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> Hold on, everybody wait 20 minutes while I finish the episode. So there's an illusion that there is something different about him, so that there is... But there isn't. No, there's a... Well, he had chemicals spilt on him. So he wasn't bitten by a spider, but his blindness was caused by we don't know what chemicals that may have height... But somehow Stick knows this? I can't tell you because you haven't watched it. No spoilers. Oh, for the love of all that is holy. Anyways, <laughs> that's the one thing I don't like about it is his lack of sight doesn't hinder him whatsoever. No. And that is... Except when it's really convenient to the script. That really pisses me off. That That takes me out of it. That loses so many points for me that it's not funny. I want to see a hero that he has no vision, but he can still accomplish a lot of things. Yeah. But there's still going to be things like, there's no reason for him to know what the next move in the fight is going to be, or that a guy is swinging something at his head, or that, you know, somebody's shooting at him, or that he can dodge a bullet, or that he can shoot somebody Because he can the, feel in the vibrations across. in the air. No, nah, but he can't. But he can't. Though. He That's can. the thing. That's the thing about that. He can't. No, he can't. That's not possible. So unless you're telling me he has some sort of superpowers that were given to him by, the chemicals. by some radioactive goose. Chemicals. Goose. Chemicals in the car accident um, that blinded him. Well then okay, maybe. Then I will I will I will stretch to that. But <laughs> at this point I'm that's something that's really taking me out of the okay. show. And I, I I'm like, oh come I, on. I'm, you know, like him and Stick having conversations and and they're in a room and they're I I guess what I'm saying is I don't buy he's blind. Sure, and that actually sort of comes up with Foggy later on. But I agree there's also a storyline that's not – part of the story that we don't get is even if he can do all these things, he can't see. But we don't ever get moments of him reflecting on what that means. So he doesn't know what colour top – Foggy's wearing or, you know, those sort of things that he can't sense through his super senses. And that doesn't have seem to have any impact on him. And we don't talk about how does he adjust to working as a lawyer. I mean, there's a little allusions to that, but of how he actually does his job. 
being blind. But again, it'd be nice mm-hmm. to see, I think, a bit more of that. How does he cope? Even if you can dodge bullets, it doesn't mean you how you get around, you know, the street without reading street signs or whatever. You know, he should have his... Sure, absolutely. So I think those... Yes. How does he find That way would actually it? add to the story of, uh, you know... If he had an impairment. Well, not even an impairment, just, you know, how does he live? I think with any superhero, what you also want to know is, I want to know. Not everyone wants to know. It's like Captain America. Like, how does he, uh, the interesting part of his story is how how does a man who was born and raised in, in the 30s and 40s live in the 21st century? Like, it's those little bits that make the character interesting, not so much his superpowers. He's a man out of his time where ethics have changed, where his his points of reference have changed. So for I think you with any superhero, their stories are often very similar, as you said. Bitten by radioactive spider, goo, whatever, has superpowers, fights the fights the villain. Uh is really angsty, probably has daddy issues. What you need is the the texture of their day to day life and relationships to make that story different from every other superhero. I think. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. To me, I just don't buy that he's blind. <laughs> I I don't. I think you could tell this exact same story if he wasn't blind. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. The only and I, I, I'm sure that the writers are using that as a way of saying. Look, this blindness doesn't slow our guy down. He lives life just like everyone else. But that's not true. And it does infect people. It does affect Of people. course. Yeah. It does change the way they live their life. It changes the way they deal with stimuli as it comes in and how they deal with that stimuli. It's not the same as, as being sighted. And I, I, I really feel like that was missing. Yeah. I don't feel like that hit with me whatsoever, obviously. Well, and to go um, back to what you said about I, Zombie... Uh, the secret keeping in this plays a big part, and it certainly does in the back back third of the of, of the season, um, as other characters find out about his secret. But that's a one off thing, in a way, um, the finding out of the secret. So I, I, I'm I'm totally on board with you. I think they they really missed a, an opportunity, certainly in this first season, to for that to be. Um, you know, part of his character and part of 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 what draws us to his him. Yeah. Um, like to me, it would have been really fun. And I know this is going out of canon, and they have source material. But even to use like echolocation, you know, like you see blind people, they click and they can sort of see things here by the vibration of their clicking. This is a real thing that happens, right? People can ride their bicycle mm-hmm. down the street, making a clicking sound, and and be able to navigate. Uh, obstacles based on this sound to me that would have been a way more interesting approach you know maybe he has some sonic signal that goes out that he can hear and maybe they see maybe they show that later but basically seeing what he sees Mm. or listening to what how he hears that sort of thing um would have helped me relate more to his I mean, I don't want to. I, I, I'm used to saying the word disability, and that's maybe that's not what it is, but different ability. Well, um, and to him as a character, as to how he can go, get through life as if he was sighted. Um, a broader issue, and and I will, I'll, I'll start by saying I felt um, the first four episodes I thought were 
and that's I'd sort of slightly be interested to know what happened behind the scenes because I felt the first four episodes, which were really setting up the characters and 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 the myth arc, um, missed an opportunity um, because. That's when we should be getting to know the central characters and care about them. And I felt we really didn't mm-hmm. then. By the end of the season, we know a lot more and there's some really emotional stuff that works well, but it would have worked even better if we had a, there's some flashback stuff to say Foggy and Matt at college, that if we had have had that early on, it, I think it would have built them better because we start off, I don't know why these two guys are starting a law firm together, they they keep telling us we're they're friends, but I don't quite see why. Um, right. The Karen character comes on board because her link is to the the overarching story, uh, and certainly by the end of the season, she's got a really interesting stuff happening to her. But I felt that they're all I didn't know who any of them were. There's nothing given, not even the the broadest character ticks. I mean, other than Foggy's a bit bit of a ladies' man and a bit a bit wacky uh i don't know there is he the light relief is he um is he the one who's after money while while matt's character is after justice it's not really clear i don't know why they're friends they there's no mm-hmm. seems no basis of why these guys have apparently left a mainstream successful law firm and started a um started their own law firm where they have no clients and i just felt those first four episodes if you i mean they don't even bring in the big bad, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio till episode four or five. If you're going to have all that yeah. time to set up, don't waste it all on the telling us how the criminal networks in Hell's Kitchen work. Tell me who these characters are and why by the end of the season I'm going to care when things happen to their relationships. So that was mm-hmm. a little frustration. And I must say my feedback to people after watching the first three episodes was very meh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. well, uh, uh, mm-hmm. nothing, you know, mm-hmm. nothing I haven't mm-hmm. seen before. I, I've enjoyed mm-hmm. it a lot more now. I've seen the whole season, but that's because the last four episodes, I think, four or five episodes, of of what I arc up to something really good. And I wish I had they had started that, you know, a bit a bit earlier or laid the base for it a bit more. Gotcha. You know, at one point Karen says to them, you know, what sort of like. You know what's happened to us? You know we used to be this team, and I'm like, no, you were never with this team. <laughs> like, what no. are you? You're referring to? It was you and Foggy getting drunk. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so, yes. Yeah, so I think there was a bit of a, okay. a missed opportunity then, and I think that. What do you think about the uh, casting? <sighs> for me, it's a bit hard to separate some of the casting from the writing. So for Foggy Nelson, who's who's the other lawyer. I don't know if he's miscast or miswritten. What hmm. do you think with him? Interesting. Do you like him? Um, do you not like him? Do you wonder about him? I like him. I, I mean, I, I like the character. I, I think that's the titular, or not titular, not at all, the stereotypical sidekick, comic relief sidekick that will eventually turn sour. Um. Casting, I think he's a talented actor. I, I, I think it was a brave casting. I, I, I think that it was a unique casting, and I, I, I'm fine with it. What do you think of Charlie Cox? And by the way, I remember Charlie Cox now from Boardwalk Empire. He played the the Irish uh, 
like bodyguard to Nucky. Um, oh, anyway. Again, I like him a lot more by the end of the season, and that's because I feel the writing and the, um, all the characters um, come out more by then. So there's some really emotional stuff in the last few episodes that um, he plays excellently and that suddenly I'm invested in these characters in a way I wasn't early on. And I again, I just feel that, it's almost like he's a bit wishy-washy in the beginning. Like, who is he? Like, why does he care about mm-hmm. – why is he being a superhero? But more importantly, as you were talking about with the blindness, what's, his, what, what's driving him during the day? What, 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 who is he? What, is, what does he do for fun? We have allusions to the fact that he has, you know, you know he, li- he likes the ladies and has lots of girls, but we don't see any of that. Um, he's pretty humorless. Uh, I, I was getting a bit uh, – He's not very. Um, he's not very likable. Engaging. No, and it's not that he's not likable because that would mean you don't like him. He's not just en- no, there's yeah. nothing spectacular about him or or engaging or anything. Like he, I, he's very bland. He kind of reminds me of a Jimmy Kimmel. Yes, Jimmy Kimmel. yes, I do. <laughs> kind of reminds me of yeah. that. He's just very like like uh, Pablum. Yeah, say. yeah, I totally agree, and I just think that was a. Milk toast. Yes, and it's like why I don't don't care about you. And also, all we get is the worst and and most um, cliched part of the superhero story is daddy issues and angst. And I'm like, uh, again, you've got to remember this show exists in a time when we're you know we're asked deep in superhero stories. so they do need to stand out. And I am getting sick of the woe is me. Um, you know, I am i can't have a relationship because I'm a superhero and I've got to save the world. Like, it's like, for fuck's sake, you're a, you're a straight white guy who's a lawyer in New York. Your life is not fucking hard. Get mm. over it. <laughs> well, he's blind. Well, yeah, I but mean, that, as we've established blind. that... He can still get around just as well yeah, as anyone Yeah, it doesn't else. affect but, his life. You know, in it. Yeah, but that's not what he's angsty over. Yeah. And that doesn't affect his life no, in true. any way. You know, it hasn't, it hasn't stopped yeah. him doing anything. Um, so that yeah. I found that annoying me. Again, I got over it by the end of the first season. And I have to say, by the last few episodes, I was thinking, man, I can't wait to see season two because I've got through the shitty first half of this season and now it's getting really good <laughs> and they can take it somewhere okay. interesting. But they're still going to okay. have to work to sell me continuing to care about Matt Murdock. And I don't think it's Charlie Cox's acting. I think he's really, really good in it. But again, I feel a lot of the time it's um, it's pretty cliched. There's a lot of lines that you've heard in every other sort of, you know, show before about, you know, the woe is me and the doing good and the uh, I need something to make. Matt Murdock stand out as a character, um, and that's not just running around in yoga gear, you know, bashing up people. Um, so, and again, as we talked about, does he get? Um, does sorry to interrupt. Does he get a superhero? Yes, outfit? he does. Oh, see, I like the fact that he was just wearing black. But they do explain why he does that. So, I mean, there, there is a rationale. Behind it, um, which I like. Again, I like that he didn't just go. I want a snazzy suit. There is a. There's a jewel. Yeah, I want a hard molded leather <laughs> outfit made for me because it makes my cock hard when I wear it. 
<laughs> no, it's for wind oh, resistance. Oh, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I wish one superhero... Like, can we have the superhero who says, fucking hell, I'm a superhero. Like, this is really rocks. I get to dress up in Lycra, kick ass and fly. Yeah, it's like, uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, well... Exactly, although he's still got the daddy issues. But, you know, it's like someone needs to embrace the joy of being a superhero. <laughs> like, I think Tony Stark does, he does. that. You know, life is not that... Yeah. Well, he last Iron Man 3, he was a bit sad. But, you know, life is not that hard if you're a superhero. <laughs> he was emo man. He was emo man. Um, what else? What else have we got to say about... Really Look, I, I would recommend people watch Daredevil. I think... Avengers um, movie. Yep. Yeah, I think it's worth watching, but I would say you really need to. I I found it a bit of a get pa- get past the first six. Yeah, I think five onwards. Um, it it, it starts because yep. we get Wilson Fisk and we get more of that. But really, I think from eight or nine is when I was really. Oh, okay. I now I real because I didn't binge this all. I've watched this over. Uh, a, well, <laughs> yeah, all of nine days, but. <laughs> I, right. I usually have very little self-control, whereas I found with this I was like I'd watch an episode and then the next day I'd watch another episode and it was only in the last couple of days I really was like, oh, no, I, I really need to see the next episode. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, good. Um, well, that that's good. That keeps me uh, watching because, to be honest, I was – I mean, the, like you're saying, the last two episodes have been like, oh, okay, all right, I see where we're going here and shit got real. Yeah. Um, it's good to know that it uh, gets a little bit better. It, it certainly does. And it, the only thing that it makes me think in the last few episodes is like, <laughs> yeah, they 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 could have started a lot of this a lot earlier. There's, as I said, some flashback scenes and some character stuff that happens, which I would have planted earlier. I would have used some of that. You know, there's some amusing sort of scenes of, of Foggy and uh, how Foggy and Matt met in college. Um, some of that earlier on would have at least made me know why they were friends, um, what what they were doing mm-hmm. together, a bit more about their relationship. So, which I still think needs needs some work. And in fact, Karen's character, the um, the female lead, um, hers becomes quite a bit more interesting. And she, in fact, she starts to steal because she actually has more of an arc, I think, and uh, uh, than Foggy, say. And so, yeah, it was good stuff towards the end there. Does Foggy remind you of Fozzie the Bear? <laughs> Is he the Once Fozzie to out of my hat. Daredevil Kermit? Again? <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, now I'm going to think of him as Fuzzy, and um, and think of De- as uh, Matt Murdock as Kermit. No, Matt Murdock, Sam the Eagle, I think. <laughs> oh no, I don't no. think so. That you're thinking of. Uh, Fisk. Oh yes, maybe. Um, but yeah, look, it is. It's almost worth watching for Vincent D'Onofrio. I would watch the the Wilson Fisk yeah, show. Very good. Um, and that woman, uh, that gallery owner, she's oh, fantastic as well. And I love, so this is I mean, hats the, off to the her. woman she's he great. falls in love with. And they play, you know, you start off thinking. What's her name? What's the actress's uh, name? Sorry, we shouldn't should actually say. Yes. Yeah, by IMDb open. Oh, uh, I thought she was really good. And I recognize her from something. I don't know what it is. Was she in Rome? Uh, keep talking. Um, I, I think. 
I, I'm excited to see where that character goes and how he and Matt Murdock collide. Because really it comes down to who thinks they're more right in saving the city. Yes. Which is pretty interesting in its own right because it, it draws those lines of good versus evil or what's good, what's evil kind of thing, which I think is super interesting for any kind of a show. Um, did you find any parallels between this and, say, Spartacus? I don't know that if I didn't know Denight was involved, I would watch this and think, oh, yeah, this is by the guy who made Spartacus. Would you? Well, <laughs> you would have watched it if if Denight wasn't involved anyway. Um, I tell you what, though, I may not have kept going after it. If, I can tell you if it was a weekly show uh, and not dropped on Netflix, I wouldn't have kept watching after episode four. Very interesting. Jules. So I, I that really tells something. Yeah, isn't it, it was far too slow, and I was not getting enough out of it. That I would have would have been one of those shows where you know then people would have been saying to me, "Oh, you should have kept watching. It got really good at the end." And I would have gone, "Yeah, well, whatever." Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't feel. Uh, yeah, having it on Netflix certainly, and I don't know if that's. It'd be interesting to ask tonight how much making a, a show for Netflix where you know I did. I did ask him and he oh. didn't respond. <laughs> Stephen to know starting to hate this guy. Please <laughs> respond to Ryan's tweets. Because I wonder if Yeah, especially mine. Yeah, especially. If you know you people are gonna binge watch it, how do you change your pacing? Is that right. they thought that they could make, you know, it was slower because they know people will you know, get to episode four or five quicker. Um, I, again, I still, I don't mind slow pacing, but I felt it was wasted because that should have been the time when the team's, you know, the team's bonding and, um, yeah, the the team's bonding. We're getting to know the characters and, um, you know, then the real shit hits the fan and things start. Um, I'm just looking up the the woman who plays Vanessa, who's um, Wilson's um, love interest. Is, she's an Israeli actress, and we've mm-hmm. not seen her in anything here, I don't think. Oh, okay. um, I'm just scrolling through. Um, oh, she was in the HBO series In Treatment, <coughs> which I didn't watch. So... Yeah, so no, we haven't probably seen mm, it. But she's great and her character is great because she's a, she she has an unexpected arc. She turns out to be different than you initially think she is and her chemistry with uh, Vincent oh. D'Onofrio is, is, is I think, re- again, they sell me on their relationship whereas I don't get that from our, our main hero group. Um, I know I know what their relationship's meant to be, but only because I keep being told it, not because I feel it. Right. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. Um Oh, very cool. But look, I would I would recommend to uh to people to watch it. We're getting a very crowded constellation of superhero shows though. Um there more there are more coming. 
And, um, you know, it's going to get harder, I think, for shows. To, you know, there's a new one coming on CW. Um, there's a couple new ones coming on network TV. Uh, I won't be watching all of them unless they've got, you know, something something more to offer beyond good fight fighting and nice cinematography. Um, do you... Th- are you looking forward to any that are coming up? Um... So the ones I know that are coming up are the – I don't know anything about them. They're certainly not superheroes I'm familiar with, so I will have to watch to see if I'm interested. Um, and the things that will make it stand out are going to be the characters and relationships or something different, like a, a comedy superhero show. <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm sorry, but I was forever shaped by watching 60s Batman growing up, and that still remains the pinnacle of superhero shows. Oh, my God. Why would that ever be? Because it was funny, and it was pop culture savvy, and it was camp. It was certainly was, and it knew it was, and it intended to be. Um, we're not getting that variety at the moment. It's sort of from shades of, of you know, from the middle through to dark. I want something different. And maybe that's maybe that's moving away from comic canon and creating new superhero shows. I think I hark back to there was a a pile. I mean, we've had a couple. There was the Cape. Do you remember the Cape with? Yeah, um, yeah that was Robbie Th- Robbie Thompson, yep, um, which I think lasted a season. Um, so that was no. an original. There was also one which I don't ever know got past pilot, in which the superheroes could only move, only had pathetic superheroes, like they could move objects three inches, <laughs> or you know, <laughs> they could lift things but only for a half a second, or whatever. Or they could they couldn't fly but they could jump high yeah. or something. I mean, I think I think okay. I want um, there's which we haven't reviewed is powers, which is the. Um, is it Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation series, uh, which is based on a graphic novel, which again has a different take because okay. it's about a police unit who goes after superheroes who have gone bad. Um, I'm looking for, it's pretty crappy, to be honest, um, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to more of those. Um, going for straight Marvel and DC stories. I'm going to hang out to see it, at, you know, see the next movie at IMAX on the big screen and go for the big budget stuff more than I'll go for, you know, NBC doing another superhero show. So you're on notice, people making superhero shows. So do you want them to stop? No, they'll run their cycle, you know. They're they're, they're the Mm. new hospital lawyer genre for for this decade. Um, We'll we'll end up with them on every network. So what's coming after that? That's the the key. Well, if I knew that, that, I'd probably be able to run a network, wouldn't I? No, that would definitely no, wouldn't I be. No, I still wouldn't be running a network, would I? No, that's never, ever going to happen. No, no. I, what I mean is that's not a precluder to having running <laughs> no, a network. No, that's true. Knowledge of uh, television is... I don't know. A, I mean... A necessity. I, what do you think? I, I think probably more detective-based, Murder, She Wrote kind of stuff. Maybe more of that. Um, do you think we'll get... We'll see more moving into the sort of anthology series like True Detective, Fargo... Uh, will that remain sort of the fringe, or not fringe, but the cable province, or um, will that move more? I think that will remain more cable. I mean, to me, I don't see the current networks getting away from the shit that they've been doing for 25 years, i.e. Backstrom being 
uh, a serialized shit cable <laughs> show or a network <laughs> show. Which, I mean, I, I, I hate to say because, you know, it, it had the possibility of being really different and really fantastic, and it ended up just being a schlock. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, schlock that's getting 14 million viewers a week. <laughs> Keep yes. that in mind. But that doesn't mean it's, that doesn't mean it's good. Um, you know, One Direction sells more albums than anyone else. Doesn't mean they're good. Well, doesn't mean they're not good directioners. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Just as long as people enjoy, it's it's whether people will watch it. Now, we know people will watch things for a variety of reasons, and it's not always that it's good. I mean, there's a reason there are four and a half million episodes of different flavors of Law and Order, and that's because it's predictable, uh, consistent, and you can jump in at any point. And so that has played well in a TV model that has reruns and syndication and where you don't want to think about what you're watching too much. I'm one, you know, I think we're, we're at that cusp now. I'm going to talk about broadcast platforms, Ryan. Um, but with mm-hmm. Netflix not only producing its own content, but with having... You've had Netflix in your country for two weeks. You really think that you're qualified <laughs> to talk about it? We've now got we've gone from having no streaming services to having three. We have we have we have Netflix, we have one called Presto and we have another one for some reason which is called Stan. <laughs> Who I guess Gary.com was oh, taken. Kevin. Uh so yeah, yeah. we have we Bruce. have now three uh, uh except apparently um we're st- people are still pirating Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Uh, look, it'll be interesting. Do you have HBO Go? No, and apparently they're, they're going through and kicking out any Australians who have snuck on using a, a VPN because so. <laughs> right. they don't want our dirty Perfect. money. Um, no, Whereas exactly. Netflix have gone, eh, give us your money. We don't care where you live. Just give us your money. Um, you know what? It's a great Well, exactly. That. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what's, you know, what's next. Uh, we've seen lawyer shows drop off a lot, whereas we've seen the, the cop show, you know, pretty much stay in its various formats. Hospital shows have, have really gone off. We are seeing the return of the soap a bit with things like um, Empire and Scandal. Um, have a, And even um, Jane, Jane the, Virgin. the Virgin. I mean, I would think maybe more of... Some, we might go through a bit of a renaissance of, of prime time things like that. I think we may see a return to the traditional mini series, like the half dozen episode. I know we've mm. got coming up um, a show which uh, Sarah Gamble's been involved with, starring David Duchovny, called Aquarius, which is um, set mm-hmm. in the 60s around the, the Manson killings, which is coming out in May, which I think we now call, we don't call it a, min- a mini series, it's Event TV. Um, but I well, think we right. might see more of that. So it's somewhere between sort of a 10 or 12 episode series. It's a shorter version of that. Um, we'll see. We'll see how things change. As long as we get, I get variety, I'm happy. I'm just a bit concerned that, you know, we're getting a lot of shows with people wearing capes. Or hoods. Well, I don't think there's any shows with people wearing okay. capes. Yeah, hoods. Cows, Cowls, hoods. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yo, Vader's. <laughs> I do love. Isn't that a glove? 
Isn't that called a Vader? Yes. If it's a, uh, a glove up here, isn't it? I think so. Um, sorry, I went to a maybe fisting place just when you did that. Um, moving along. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, sorry, for a rare, I should, we should explain to listeners we don't. You, Ryan and I don't usually have video when we're we're podcasting, and now I know because Jules is yeah, usually yeah, nude. Well, that, there's that. And There's I refuse. That, but also, it gets distracting when Ryan does things with his hands and other body parts. Um, so, iZombie and Daredevil. Watch them. Let us know what you thought. Yeah, both very good shows. Both doing some unique, fresh things. Um, great casting. I mean, I think, personally, I think iZombie is better cast than Daredevil, but Daredevil has some really unique stuff. I didn't and, mention. Uh, res- Rosario Dawson plays um, a nurse who who helps mm. out um, our. Hi- oh, talk about stealing! stealing yes, the show, and right? she's like, yeah, she and that's uh, she's another character who uh, yeah, very small part, but everything she's in. And again, it's interesting, and I, I don't know how this works, but you know, I know more about and I feel more connected to her character than I do to some of the you know, Foggy or Karen uh, early on because somehow they, um, maybe, you know, it's that magic combination of acting and uh, and writing where she just makes that character pop off the page. Um, and and it's when we, her interactions with Matt, where I think we first start to see a bit more of him as a character too. Oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely humanises him. And again, that's somebody who knows. Well, actually, so that's sort of the opposite. She doesn't know his secret identity, or she only yeah, knows. Yeah, she his doesn't know identity. his she real identity, real which identity. is a nice twist on that. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was interesting when he had her. A little bit of a spoiler, not too big of a deal, but he had her dressed up to help. Uh, yes. Uh, question the bad guy and I thought oh that that would be cool if she became like yes uh, and, and I suppose that's one of the things about but, not knowing about the um, about the canon is I don't know where any of these characters uh, are I going know, yeah, of course you exactly. don't also don't know how um, how much they're going to deviate from the um, uh, from the comics anyway um, mm-hmm. so yeah I I, I enjoyed this uh, I, I think it's uh, it as I said, I found myself really looking forward to season two because now by the end of the season, I care about the characters, I, I know the world, and I actually do want to see what, what happens next. Interesting. I, I, I have to keep watching Well, that. we might do a little... And the nice thing, because it's Netflix, I can watch it Ooh. while I'm at work. I mean, not, not that, that you I would, would do, that do that because, because you were entirely focused there, on your job. I could do um, that. We there. might just check in when yeah. you finished watching it just to... Um, just to see what you thought by the time you got to the end of the season and whether I was kidding myself. I think you were probably kidding yourself, but we'll see. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 40 of a TV Chinwag. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please uh, tweet us out, uh, retweet it, share it with your friends, pay them to watch it. Whatever it takes, uh, get the word out there that TV Chinwag is the spoiler-free place to be. And uh, until next week or two weeks, I guess it is, Jules. And we don't really want to say what we're reviewing quite yet, but there may be a special guest. There may well be. We will let you know closer to the day. A special guest host with the most. Um, that yeah, no. Mm. Edit that out. We'll see about that. Okay, thank you for listening. (laughs)
Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag. <laughs>